Hello everybody and welcome to Sound of Play. Every Wednesday in Sound of Play, we bring you some of our and your favourite pieces from the many, 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 many video game soundtracks we've enjoyed over the decades. Joining me, Leon Cox, in Sound of Play 233 is from the Retro Asylum. I've just found out he's known as Retro Clarence online, but it's Christopher Worthington. Welcome to Sound of Play. Thank you, Leon, and thank you for the long and formal uh, name that I, only my parents ever called me Christopher. But okay. thank you. <laughs> That's good to know. Chris, yeah. may I call you Chris? Obviously. I respond to most things, kind okay. and unkind. I think it's because your um, email is the it formal is. version. Yeah. I thought maybe maybe you're one of those people who <laughs> insists upon it. Or like Sir Ben Kingsley. You know, yeah. you, I always you find to... you've got to be dubious of people who insist upon being called their, their unshortened <laughs> version of their name. I've had some bad experiences. <laughs> you can't shorten my name, really. Uh, some people called me Lee at school, but it's, just, it's a waste of, waste of effort. Anyway. You can, you can probably tell I'm a Scouser, and I tell you, in Liverpool, we shorten 
every everything. Game. Yeah, so you you would get if you were in Liverpool, you would have a shortened version. Hey Lee, yes, <laughs> I did spot that. So you're in Tunbridge, but you're originally hail from Merseyside. Indeed. Good yep. stuff, yes. I'm a big fan of that city, having never been there until last year, uh, or 2018. Yeah. I've now been there several times uh, yeah. to watch the uh, to watch Brighton of Albion play at mm. Everton and then Anfield, and uh, also yeah. just spend some time in what is, yeah, it is, truly is a vibrant city, and I know there's a lot of cliches about the people there, but they really are very friendly, and it's a very socialist yeah. town with uh, left-wing sensibilities and lots of art and culture and music and yeah really you know it's hard not to fall in love with the place yeah it's fab i love it and i love going back there and, and the my only my only kind of gripe is i don't get to go enough because i have yeah. a wife and children and a job yeah. and um family back in liverpool but yeah as time goes people people pass on and you have less reason really to go. And it's sad. I think the last time I went was about three years ago. But you're, you're right. I mean, in terms of culture and things to see and things to do. And it's such a small city as well. Yeah, so, surprisingly so. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You can walk from one end to the other in about half an hour at a mm. at a, a slow stroll. Um, and there are more and more things gaming-wise to do. So there's a big retro gaming arcade club-like place that's just opened up in, oh, in that's the city right. centre. Yeah. Mm. I can't remember the name now, but it, it advertises itself as the, the biggest in Europe of its type. Yeah, definitely going to hit that up next time I'm up there. Yeah, it looks pretty cool. So, so yeah, definitely. I mean, it's, I always say to people that it's a really nice place to spend a weekend. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I've done that a couple of times recently. And hopefully, if Brighton and Albion stay in the Premier League, I'll get to go some more for uh, for more away trips, but also to visit uh, Jay, who's editing this podcast. Yes. Hello, Jay, and his wife, Kai. Um, and, uh, yeah, fun times to be had. Went to the actual City of Liverpool Museum last time to learn a bit more about the uh, the place and yeah. um, the old transport system that went yeah. around the town and the, the links with the Chinese and all yeah. this fascinating stuff. Yeah, it's got a really interesting history. So not all good, depending on your sensibilities, no, sure. because yeah. it was a big, it was a big, it was a big featured place of the slave trade. Absolutely. But, but it, in terms of its history, now looking back, yeah, there's loads to see. Absolutely loads. So everyone should go at least once, I think. Yes. Cool. Elect Man. That's mm. what we opened the show with. Uh, we covered Mega Man's 1 and 2, or Rock Man's, to give them their original Japanese title, back in Kane and Rinse podcast issue 296. Now, I've always been fairly ambivalent about the Mega Man series, and, and I know this, this kind of sits at odds with my reputation as being somebody who's in love with anything from Capcom, <laughs> anything from the 80s, anything with pixels and chip tunes. I don't know. I think Mega Man just kind of passed me by. I enjoyed catching up with those two games, but now I am daunted by the prospect of a further nine games in the series, oh, not yes. to mention the spin-offs, the X series and so on and so forth. But what I will say is that uh, uh, regardless of which composer was working on the games uh, and it was a different composer on the first game, Manami Matsume, Mm. Um, there have been some banging tunes throughout the uh, the legacy of Rockman. Indeed, yeah, yeah. It's a game. It's I came to only recently, actually, and it. Okay. I, I was aware of it growing up. I'm late thirties, so I I I'm a child of the eighties and 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 nineties, mm-hmm. and I was always aware of Mega Man, but was put off by the reputation it had for just being really really difficult. But yeah, as I've played more games from the 80s and 90s this attraction to games where you have to get good has has grown yes and this is a game which you need to practice because you will die a lot yes 
But it's forgiving in that when you do die and you lose all your lives, you only go back to the start of the stage that you're on. So right. it's mm-hmm. not like some of the older games where you go right back to the start and have to play through the whole thing again. So I've, I, yeah, I played it. I played it through the Retro Asylum. We did a, a series of episodes late last year called The End where the idea was that we would play a game through to the end because Aha. most of us are guilty yes. of not doing that because there's so many games to play. Absolutely. And, and a lot of these older games, they're actually quite difficult to roll the credits. Absolutely, yeah. This is a lot of where Cane and Rinse Indeed. came from, actually, because we. my thought when we, when we set up this show was that your feelings about a game kind of, I think they, they shift when you've completed a game. Like, especially mm. if you've done it properly. And, I, you know, I, I admitted on the show to helping myself out with save states on the Mega Man games to, yeah. you know, to get it done to a yeah. deadline. Yeah. But actually to to do these things properly, suddenly when, when those credits roll, you really do get a new sense of your relationship yeah. with the game. Yeah, it completely changes because these games were not meant to be played using save states. And I that no. is the accessible way to do it. And the, the Switch... The Switch Legacy Collection is a beautiful piece of work, and, um, and with that, you can actually it's got the rewind feature as well. But I That's tried right. my best not to do that, and as Good best man. best I could to play it as authentically as possible. But that is when you do get that real sense of reward and achievement sure. when the credits do roll. And the music was was one thing that really took me by surprise. I mean, this this, this game was released in 1987. Yeah. The quality of the output of the music, the composition, is is incredible. I could have chosen any of the stages or or any of the uh, the, the bosses. It's quite funny. The boss is called Doctor Wiley. You'll know this, Leon. Yes, Doctor Wiley. For thirty seven years, I have been pronouncing that Doctor Willy. Aha. Uh-huh. And I've been walking around talking about the Willy Wars um, for way too long. And it was only when I was corrected on an episode of the retro asylum last oh. year that so i am almost now, almost disappointing i was uh, really crushed that yeah. it's, it isn't there's it only isn't. there's only one l in wiley indeed <laughs> yeah i've obviously overlooked that for all the all these years but i could have chosen any track but i went with the Lekman because yeah that's the one that always after i'd finished playing the game i'd be walking around and i'd be humming a tune i think oh that's that's the Lekman stage mm. and it, it is have you ever heard the REM song, All the Right Friends? No, I don't know that one. Ha- have a listen to it, and the similarities are pretty striking. That's interesting, because yeah. on researching this, the one that comes up time and time again, and probably would have been, I don't know, what what year was that REM track? Oh, it must have been mid-90s, so 95, 96. Later, so. okay. So this, it seems that this track was heavily inspired by, shall we say, a track by Journey yeah, called Faithfully. Right. right. Yeah. Yeah. That's ah. right. So yeah. REM ripped off Journey by proxy, uh, <laughs> even though they had very, you know, very different sensibilities and fan bases, probably. Well, I prefer to say that they ripped off Mega Man, but yeah, they yeah, yeah. probably absolutely right. They probably are very unaware of, of a Lekman's theme, but the, the, the similarities are very, very striking. And I think actually that's why that track in particular. Would would stick in my head because I'm I'm a mm. big REM fan and, sure. and probably know it be- the melody better from from all the right friends. But uh, it's a fantastic the the whole soundtrack is excellent and and in, I've not played Mega Man two yet, but I want to I am ah. going to try and go through the whole series. But the way they remix the the Mega Man one ending theme as the title screen music for Mega right. Man two, 
Yeah. It's really beautifully done. Really, mm. really nice. Fantastic. Yeah, so Mega Man 2 for many people, which is why we covered 1 and 2 in the in that podcast that we did, is kind of the peak of the series. So even though we're yeah. now on Mega Man 11 and X, umpteen, trumpty, goodness knows what, um, a lot of fans still swear by Mega Man 2 yeah. as the kind of place that it... So yeah, it's definitely worth uh, checking out. Yeah. And yes, obviously the composer changes, but um, but the the quality is, is maintained at least. Yeah. As always... We're going to feature in our regular show some selections from the Kane and Rince community. Some interesting picks we've got. This is a lovely piece from a game that I've never played. Requested by Dusk vs. Tweak, who says, While the sequel, Age of Kings and its expansion, probably the better game and the one I've spent the most time on, the original Age of Empires and its Rise of Rome expansion are the ones I get the most misty-eyed over. This was my first real strategy game as a kid, and with its historical setting, it was mesmerising. I don't think I understood the game as a war simulator. It was just a simulator in my child eyes. It was as much about building a fantastically laid out base and city as it was about waging war on surrounding nations. This track, Tango Alpha Bravo, is the one I think of when I look back at the game. The music has a mystic quality to it, as if it's by a magic that you're going to rise up above the world and not by the sweat of your miners and builders. What this track also says to me anyway is that your journey is just beginning. Things are as simple as they will get, but hurry up and get working because the world isn't going to sit back and wait for you to become a great civilization.
That's Stephen Rippey's Tango Alpha Bravo from the Rise of Rome expansion from the original Age of Empires. I think there's a... Did they do it? I know, I know Age of Empires 2 remastered is, is out or coming, but I think they did an Age of Empires 1 remaster. Chris, I'm are you not sure? pretty sure they did. Hmm. And that's what they seem to be doing with that series now, is just hmm. remastering the older games. And putting them on Game Pass. so you Which can, is nice. If you're a Game Pass person, you can just give it a whirl. And yeah, um, yeah good music. Uh, I enjoyed that from Stephen Rippey. Ensemble yeah. Studios, 1998. There we go, over mm. 20 years ago now. Mm. Uh, next up, we've got uh, Chris's second selection. And, uh, well, I just love this. Uh, we covered this game in the last volume of Kane and Rince Podcasts, issue 371. And we're going to cover the next game in the series this coming year. It's Monkey Island. Mm. In particular, this is the wood tick music from Monkey Island 2 and here we're going to be listening to the special edition version which is with real instruments and the the particularly cool thing about this version that we're going to hear it's four minutes and so it kind of interprets all the different mm. uh stems from the original uh iMuse or Imuse I forget iMuse yeah. system iMuse yeah 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 I love this track and oh man yeah. I, I'm not a technical music person at mm. all no so, me neither so in choosing these tracks, I, I've, I've really chose tracks either which are recently familiar to me and I can, I can speak to, or tracks which have a real emotional uh, memory attached to them. Yeah. And there are certain tracks, and we'll come on to another one a little bit later, but there are certain tracks which immediately take me back to a period uh, in my life. And any track from Monkey Island, or, uh, Secret Monkey Island or Monkey Island 2 will do that. And actually, the theme from The Secret of Monkey Island is probably my, my favourite video game piece of music of all time. It is. But I, just but I, I, do, I know that has been done on Sound of Play before, at least once. So I, I kind of searched back through the memories of Sound of Plays and, and, and tried to come up with something which I don't think has been featured. No, um, it has not. That's a, it's, a, it's very kind of you to, to go to those lengths and um, share yeah. this, this extra piece. So, yeah, this, uh, this really is the location or set of locations that as Guybrush you spend a well probably up to two or three four hours at the start of the game kind of going between the uh, the island of uh, the the various shops and and yep. boats on the isle of woodtick uh, the isle of it's not woodtick is it what's the island called in monkey island scab too? scab good one yeah sorry yeah. woodtick's the town yeah, yeah woodtick woodtick's the only settlement in in on the island so that's right Depending on how skilled you are, you you could spend four or five hours. You could easily probably spend nine or ten hours there, depending on on how good you are at solving the puzzles. But th- this the track you, you've just mentioned it. It evolves depending on which area of the town you're you're in. And each and there's a bar and there's a there's like a, there's a laundrette bizarrely and there's a hotel. Yeah. <laughs> and, and you wander around and and although the kind of main riff of the track continues. Various instruments are kind of added on top of it, which gives it a very different feel. The only downside about the the, the version that 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 we're about to play does condense the whole thing into those four minutes. The only thing I would say is that for anyone who's interested in, and has never heard the track in game, yeah. do go and experience it in game because mm. the way the music evolves, you can't really get a true sense of of that. I'm a bit of a purist at heart as well, so. The the special edition did a wonderful job at re reimagining and remastering these tracks, but 
also do try and have a listen to the to the original uh, MS DOS, not not the Amiga version, which is the version I played back in the day, because that mm. doesn't use the IMU system. No, no, which is which is a shame. Didn't get ported over, and we talked about this on the show, but IMUs was. Uh, a, a, as revealed by the uh, by the creators of the game on the developer commentary for the yeah. special edition, yeah. they only ended up using IMUs properly once. I know. It was stupidly expensive and complicated, <laughs> and it got quite a lot of press, and it was it was a marvellous thing. But, yeah, they could never really, because it yeah. took so much work to use it, it never really got used again in things like, uh, fate of atlantis or day of the tentacles yeah and stuff like that. yeah yeah but it, it works so beautifully in wood tick and the the melody has this melancholic but hopeful mm. feel to it and that is what you get from a lot of the monkey island music yeah. particularly in, in in one and two it is a, a beautiful piece Thank you. 
Sounds of Woodtick by Michael Z. Land from Monkey Island 2, LeChuck's Revenge. That's the special edition version. But uh, as Chris says, do check out. Uh, if you go on to YouTube, you'll find, obviously, you'll probably find one of those videos where they've got the the uh, be- the beeper version yeah, and yeah. the and the uh, ad lib version and the, yeah. the whichever you know different sound card versions which is of course one of the things that made it even more complicated for them to make sound for yeah. for pc games at that point you had to mm. create different suites effectively for the different tech which is yeah. kind of nuts yeah <laughs> and, and and an art long forgotten absolutely now we've got some sounds from the fan community, I suppose you could say. Uh, this is based on some mid-90s music, but this piece was actually uh, rocked out by Johnny Atmar in 2008, requested by Mr. Ixolite, who says, I like King Dedede. I've never been sure how to say that. Dedede? A lot. Yeah, anyway, Mr. Ixolite likes him. Those sparsely defined in the main game. He has a lovable design and gets a ton of charm in ancillary appearances like Smash Brothers. Thus, though the main series wheels him out over and over, it's always fun to see him. If you're lucky, he might put on a mask and suddenly a cute scuffle against an obese penguin becomes a brutal fight for survival and the already iconic DDD theme gets supercharged. <laughs> Johnny Atmar's version of the masked DDD theme kicks up the intensity even further for a glorious tribute to the avian. So yeah, time to uh, shred away with the ga metal, or game metal, game metal. That makes more sense. Version of the Masked King, originally by Junishikawa Hirokazu Ando, and yes, played here. Not just the guitar, but all the instruments, I believe. Mm. Remixed by Johnny Atma.
originally heard in Kirby Superstar Ultra, it's How Labs, of course, with uh, Kirby. And that's King, that King dude. Dee, 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 dee. <laughs> and what, what a time to be alive when you have people, fan communities, going into these games and, and remixing these tracks. Uh, the likes of Materia Collective, and I know you yeah. guys have, have had several several of these yeah. fan yeah. composers on over recent over recent months and years. The, the imagination and the reimagined... Uh, the, and the skill is, and the talent. Yeah. yeah, It's incredible. And, and to, to do something, to go in and take a track, I don't know who the original composer of that track was, but the, but the guys who have taken the likes of Uematsu's work and, and been brave enough yeah. to, to reimagine them, you know, they deserve a huge amount of credit. And thankfully now it's all available pretty easily on the likes of Spotify. Yep. Which there's an endless supply of this music. It really is wonderful stuff. Yeah, uh, and it's always it it always strikes me as uh, I like the sort of juxtaposition of uh, although I'm not kind of a big fan of that kind of shredded guitar style. Yeah, um, just the fact that they've taken this uber uber yeah. cutesy Japanese and '90s platform music and turned it into this kind of rock Odyssey symphony. Um, just that in itself, I find entertaining and amusing. Yeah, cool. I, I'm exactly the same. I'm not a fan of metal music, but Whenever I hear a familiar track, particularly a chip tune track, I know that probably wasn't a chip tune track because it was from a Nintendo DS game, I think. Um, but but a or maybe it was a a chip tune track reimagined as a shredded industrial metal vision. I think is a it can either be absolutely hilarious or or profound or maybe even yeah. both. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely, like life. Um, now, uh, this is your next pick, also from 98, our second track from 98, this show. And this is a game that famously, notoriously, didn't uh, from, from a game that didn't make mm. it to these shores in the UK, uh, a Japanese game, did make it to America, and also is quite renowned for, effect effectively, they didn't really finish the game in the way that they wanted to, in the, yeah. in the fact that the second half of the game kind of becomes a visual novel rather an than an exposition RPG. dump one right, very okay. long exposition <laughs> dump so okay so did you play this at the time or have you come to it more recently no i played it at the time so okay. so the, the the mid 90s for me so a- anyone who listens to retro asylum or has done in the last 18 months since i've been involved will will we'll probably be very familiar with my thoughts on jrpgs and and in particular final fantasy 7 so so like like other members of the Kane and Rins team as well, and, and probably many people. I, I, I attribute Final Fantasy VII to, to changing my life in a lot of ways and certainly changed, given me the direction that I've pursued since in terms of the games I enjoy, the narrative-driven, character-driven experiences. So I played Final Fantasy VII shortly after release, and I then went on a mission in that PS1 and early PS2 era, of trying to play as many JRPGs as I as I possibly could. Mm-hmm. Um, man, I, I, I must have spent thousands of hours going through some pretty average games and also some pretty brilliant games. And the one that stands out from the time was, was Xenogears, a game I knew nothing about other than it was made by, by, the, by the same, or it was published at least by the same people who, who made Final Fantasy VII. Yeah. And... Uh, I absolutely loved it, and I even sat through and enjoyed the exposition dump on on this two, and didn't really think much of it at the yeah, time. You were into it, and the, I was so into it. The story was 
you just needed to know what happened in the story. So almost the, at that point, if you're really sucked into a game story, sometimes the, the game itself can get in the way. So in it was a way, secondary. It, yeah. it was. I mean, it was in some ways the game became secondary. I mean, I, I, I would really love to go back to Xenogears and experience the story again mm. and work out whether it was a thing of its time or whether I genuinely do enjoy the story. Yeah, but I've I've come to the music again somewhat recently through a remastered uh, a remastered album that's been released by one of the collectives who who put out this stuff, and they've released a Xenogears tribute album, and I, I had it on in the background while I was working a few weeks ago, and this track came up, and I, immediately I was I was transported back to the mid nineties playing Xenogears, so when I looked, it was this track we're about to listen to, Bonds of Sea and Fire. Mm. And then I went back and listened to the original soundtrack by the wonderful Yasunori Mitsuda. And the whole soundtrack, pretty much to a, to a track, is just a wonderful, wonderful piece of work, including the rather cheesy J ballad that you get, which plays over the, the ending movie, is also one that I have such strong nostalgia for. Yeah. That it is, uh, and all of Matsuda's work. You you featured a few weeks back. You featured the end credits theme from Chrono Cross mm-hmm. by Matsuda, and and the variety of of the breadth of of the work is, uh, it's wonderful stuff.
Bonds of Sea and Fire from the famous, in some ways infamous, Xenogears. Yasunori Mitsuda wrote the music. That's a Square game that's still not been re-released in any form. I don't. I think it may have come out on US PSN to download and play on PS3, possibly as a PS1 game. I'm not sure. Don't think we can access it over no. here, which is a real shame because I think the spiritual successors that were released, Zeno Saga. Yeah. I think I'm right in saying that at least two of those did make some kind of limited appearance in yeah. Europe, although I, I, I might so. be no, wrong th- about that. I vaguely remember them being around. Um, but yeah, Xenogears became this kind of mystical title, and there were a few at this period from Square. Mm. Einhander, the shoot 'em up of course, yeah. and um, Final Fantasy Tactics, which we didn't, yeah, which we didn't get for years. Um, very frustrating, and I, I understand, I suppose, why they don't re-release and revisit Xenogears, because it's kind of, I yeah. think, you know, maybe internally they weren't satisfied with it because it didn't, it didn't turn out like they wanted or whatever. Yeah. But yeah. Um, it's a shame that it's not up for remastering or, you know, obviously we're seeing all the retro legacy Final Fantasy yeah. games coming out on most of the formats now, but Xenogears remains ignored and dusty. Well, I don't know whether it might be something to do with the fact that the creative forces behind it all went off to Monolithsoft. Yeah, could be. And, and now are obviously churning out the, the Xenoblade Chronicles game. So I, I assume Square still have the, the rights to the IP so. and c- could release it. But whether there is some kind of contamination there in Square Towers when they think mm-hmm. about the the Zeno series, although they they are they, they are spiritual successors yeah. with a tether probably to Zeno Gears, but yeah. unfortunately they never did go off and make what was intended to be um, at least th- at least three other games. So we may never know. Yeah, one of those okay. legendary. It's a series that trails off. We never get to find out what happened, like you know, Kingdoms of Amalur or. Yeah. Goodness knows how many others. Yeah. Complete change of tack and tone now, as which is something we like to do on Sound of Play. This is a request from Bloody Initiate from the forum, who says there's a lot of good music that comes out of the GTA series that isn't licensed. There are some commission tracks which masquerade in the game as licensed tracks. In some cases, songs were just made up by someone on the sound team for the game. In GTA 3, there were a few songs on the radio that I tried to track down later only to discover they didn't actually exist outside of the game. Here is one. I'm pretty sure there's no such artist as Dill Don't. Yeah. 
the peculiar but interesting Stripe Summer from GTA 3. Remember the heady days of 2001 when, yeah, I think that was one of the most convincing and evocative open worlds I'd played up to that point. Having played Red Dead Redemption 2 recently, it's uh, and then looking at what GTA 3 looks like, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a nice little reminder as to how far that tech has kind of moved on. But mm. I do still have very fond memories of of GTA 3 and that was my first real game in a series I'd only dabbled with the original yeah. GTA the top down one yeah. um and Ditto. it was it was really like as as much as you'll hear me uh, if you listen to the Kane and Rince podcast waxing lyrical about the game world of of Red Dead 2 a 2018 game at the time I was I was pretty beguiled by GTA 3's yeah Liberty City it was staggering wasn't it i mean yeah. the, the the scale of it it was unlike anything we'd really seen before. I always remember the first time I it rained at night. Mm. I have this really strong memory of of seeing the way the lighting, kind of the reflections of the the puddles on the road, and thinking, "Wow, can it ever get any better than this?" <laughs> I love that line. Yeah, because that's one of the things that we've all, especially you know, those of us you've been gaming, yeah. uh, you late thirties, I'm late forties, and um, it's that. That that line comes up over and over again, doesn't it? And we yeah. never learn. No, <laughs> but in and a way, it, I'm glad we don't yeah, because yeah. otherwise, we still, you know, we Jay and I get this a lot. Jay's 49, I'm 47, and just how excited we still get by the sort of the advancements in when it comes to, you know, um, recreating, a, a, you know, a world in a game. Actually, trying to make something sort of realistic and absolutely that is not the only thing i want from games it's one of many 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 things that sure. are great about video games but it's probably the thing whenever real life they've tried to simulate real life you know i remember having this conversation about football games in the 90s yeah. you know yeah. like the iss they'll ne iss deluxe they'll never make a football game that looks better than that <laughs> you know that kind of thing yeah, I thought the same thing about Emlyn Hughes International Soccer on the Amiga, and, and yeah, not surprised. Yeah, and clear, what a game. Clear, yeah, and clearly that uh, that was that was surpassed very quickly. But going back to kind of memories and 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 music and how how it can take you back, I've probably haven't given that track a second thought since I completed GTA Three mm -mm, back mm. in two thousand one, two thousand two. But as soon as that track came on, and straight away I'm humming along with it. Yeah, and oh, remember really? remember the melody really clearly, and I think of, that was probably the radio that was from the head radio station, wasn't it? Yeah, mm. um, and and it was probably the one I listened to the least, as far as I can remember. But right. the, the the music of the whole GTA series is yeah so evocative; it takes you right back there. 
because the I think this is right. The music I remember the most from GTA Three, they basically they licensed the Scarface soundtrack, which yes. is Giorgio Moroder yeah. and yeah. Debbie Harry. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and it was, and, and then there was the classical kind of Italian music. That oh they all, yes, yes. They yes. also took, Opera. I think, from from gangster films. If, if sure. not, um, yeah, from, from probably a it's probably a greatest hits almost of of mafia gangster films. <laughs> yeah, but, but the double clef radio station that would always be my go to. I think I've got the tracks running through my head right now. But uh, they, they GTA three, and then I think Vice City done mm. it even better in terms of making you feel like you were Tony Montana driving around. What an amazing selection of, of 80s music that soundtrack yeah, was. was. And so again, I, I understand even, and I'm not, I'm not a big rap or hip hop fan, but I understand yeah. that the GTA San Andreas box set was considered like a an absolutely fantastic kind of definitive yeah. rap and hip hop kind of history up to that point. Yeah, you do wonder where they go to next. I'm... I'm, I'm I've still got. I have some really horrible and terrible gaming black holes, which sometimes I, 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 I even wonder whether I ought to admit to them. But one, uh, of we them, all do. We all do. We, one of them is GT, GTA Five, mm-hmm. which I still so desperately trying to get to. There's always something else to play. Mm. But you do wonder where they go next with that series. I mean, what what can they do? Mm. No doubt they will have the answers. Back to Vice City. I don't know. That'd be uh, lovely. I'm it? still dreaming of the uh, if, if they. If they put the same resources into a game that was set in London, as yeah. they did, I would love that. Yeah, as, that as would a, be as fabulous. A, as a South of England person, I would, yeah, I would love to, to get into that, yeah. a, a virtual version of that world where you could, you know, be a bad man or whatever. Yeah, it would uh, be pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, GTA Five just out on Game Pass, of course. So yeah. uh, particularly recommended for those who have an Xbox One X and a Game Pass account. Uh, you can immerse yourself in that for sure back to the 90s again and uh we've already had one kind of pc strategy game track this is another uh now i remember at the time the music for these games wasn't nearly my sort of my go-to thing about it but Mm. as i hear them back and they often get selected or you know requested for this show and you see people talking about them on the internet and now I've got that distance from them. They've got that power to to take me back to to the era. I was somebody who had Command and Conquer on first the Saturn and then the PS One mm. um, because I didn't have a games worthy PC. But were you playing? Were you were you part of the uh, the real time strategy zeitgeist on computer, or were you also rocking the uh, the console ports? So computer, most definitely okay. com- computer. So in, in 1995, my computer was a championship manager and Commander Conquer machine. Right. Good call. I'm, all, I'm jealous retrospectively. <laughs> all I really did with, with the computer was play those two games. And with Commander Conquer, I had my first ever experience of online multiplayer. I remember playing with a mate of mine over, over dial-up modem, playing Capturing the Flag. And thinking, wow, you know, this is a proper game changer. Being able to do this, he's three miles away, I'm here. It was. It's very difficult for people who didn't experience those things now to imagine what it was like for that not to be the norm. Yeah, it was. It was. It felt magical being able to do that, and and the novelty of it was so was so. I, I'm not a big multiplayer gamer now, but at mm. the time, I mean, just the ability to be able to do that. Too right, but, yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, Command and Conquer, when that came out... I mean, actually, we, we played it as part of the Retro Asylum Game Club last year, and we managed to get some pretty decent... There are now clients which Westwood have released for for free. There are clients that you can download now where you can play the original Command and Conquer multiplayer. Excellent. Which, which is pre- pretty cool in 2019, as it was. And we did, in the Retro Asylum community, we did manage to get some really, really fun games going with, with, with gamer chat on Discord, etc. There is still... A lot of fun to be had, but in 1995, this game I thought was was the pinnacle of of, of strategy. I, I now actually realise that it, it well, it, it firstly it hasn't aged well, and secondly, mm. it was probably more of an arcade game really than than you know you compare it to something like Age of Empires, which came sure out a bit yeah. later probably wasn't as high level strategic. Yeah, as it was I very accessible. It was designed to be, massively. and it, and it kind of, I guess that's why it was so big you know it, it became yeah. it, it did it, it crossed the markets and different demographics of people were playing it yeah and i guess mm. that that's why we ended up with versions on not only the saturn and the ps1 but also the n64 how did they do that with the <laughs> <Yeah>. fmv <laughs> uh, i doubt it was tremendously playable at least the no. playstation you could get a mouse for it um yeah yeah which did help yeah but the music <laughs> is you're you're right i mean if you'd have said to me 12 months ago what do you think about the Command and Conquer soundtrack? I probably would have said it's. Yeah, I can remember. I, the only song I can remember is the one that we're about to play, but I mm. wouldn't have had too much fondness when I revisited it last year. Right. The the, the pure nostalgia hit you get from from the music is mm-hmm. is again. It's not something I would listen to. It. I, I listen to a lot of video game music outside of playing video games a lot. Every time I run, I'm a, I'm a big fan of video game music, but this kind of music i think needs to be experienced really in game i i think it doesn't quite with that kind of industrial techno metal rock music which mm. i think does need some kind of context but this one track is is the one which immediately t- takes me back and I, I i was i it came on on a playlist in the car I was with my family in the car my wife kind of said oh what is this? And then for about two weeks later, my little boy, my nine-year-old, was walking around the house saying, I am a mechanical man. <laughs> and that was a golden moment. <laughs> awesome. Mechanical Man then by Frank Klepacki.
Can I just say before we move on, if anyone's interested in Command & Conquer music, Frank Klepacki did a concert at MAGFest probably quite a few years ago now, but it's there on YouTube, a live concert of Command & Conquer music with, awesome. a full, with a full band. It is, it is a pretty decent spectacle. That sounds cool, actually. And you can imagine in that case, because although these, yeah, I'm not sure what, tech was sort of used on 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 the soundtrack for the actual game here but mm. it, but you know it has that sound of a mid-90s pc Does. game and yeah. you can imagine that um pl- you know expanded out into a, a full band you can hear what the intention was in inside the head which is yeah. you know obviously something we get a lot with particularly when um press play on tape do you know yeah it's commodore 64 stuff and it, it would never replace or or you know, in any way, it's not even necessarily better than the originals. It's just about uh, a, a nice and interesting interpretation of yeah. those things. Yeah. 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 So, yes, Command and Conquer. Will that genre ever kind of cross over again? Obviously, there, you know, we've got the StarCraft scene still going on and things yeah. like that, but it's now it's very rarefied and, you know, it's, it tends to be. And I guess that's true of a lot of genres now. You're either into them or you're not. Like the, it feels to me like when when you and I started gaming, the you would play anything that was good. Quotes, you know. So you would play, you would try all the genres, and yeah. but now people know whether they want a fighting game or a or a sports game or a first person shooter or whatever. And I think you know some people do cross the streams a bit but i think increasingly certain is particularly the competitive genres have yeah. become so almost uh inaccessible yeah um it's kind of a shame now it's it's probably in some ways i'm jealous of people who are able to either focus on playing those games or yeah. just rule them out altogether like yeah. say well i don't play fighting games anymore because i can't you know, I can't because yeah. they're com- too complicated and difficult and I'll never be good. But for me, as somebody who grew up, you know, just jumping from way of the exploding fist to yeah. um, sanction to, you know, whatever else, I still want to play all the genres. So this is yeah. why I've got the most obscene backlog. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I agree. It's, it's interesting what's happened with the more traditional genre of games. I mean, I've been doing a lot of reading recently. Edge did a retrospective on the decade that was, 2010. To, to to 2019 and and how many new genres of games have appeared during right. that during that decade you know okay. you think about mobas battle royale games yeah sure. you know, e- even really the rise of what is now the modern open world game and there's less talk of the likes of the rts genre mm. the, the probably the one-on-one beat-em-up and the, it feels like what's happened is those genres have either evolved to the point of inaccessibility like you've just said with the I wouldn't know where to start now with with a one on one fight. I'd probably go back to Street Fighter Two, yeah, just because that's kind of what I what I knew. But mm. the RTS genre has, you know, sadly evolved out of existence almost. But there is the remaster. There's the remaster of Command and Conquer coming, hopefully that's, yeah, this year. That's true. 
Yeah. Uh, and those guys have got together. I can't remember the name of the studio, but they did get together. There was a game called Grey Goo, which is oh, yeah. it's itself now five years old. Yeah, I got that on free on some service quite recently, as you do. Got all did these you try amazing... it? No, I haven't. No, it's no. just one of the many, many, many yeah. games that I've, you know, had gifted to me by one of the download services and i I, there's so many of them are probably worth my time you know Mm. but there's only a limited amount of time but it'd be really interesting to see just how many people pick up a command and conquer remaster and what kind of reviews it gets in Mm. 2020 or 2021 the world feels to have moved on so considerably since then yeah i think people will dabble um it's it's long been, and uh, I'm sure you talked about this on, on Retro Asylum, the, one of the phenomena of the modern era, I'd say with the last 10, 12 years, is the massive social media clamour for a particular title to be re-released mm. because it was the best game ever and oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. Mm. And then when it comes out, no one plays it. No one buys mm. it. No one plays it. I'm, I'm thinking of things like Speedball 2, the Chaos Engine, Sensible Soccer, um, yeah jet set radio even you know even more recent stuff and these games do come out and i'm sure they do okay you know i'm sure they they make their money back because people go ooh, nostalgia but actually a lot of people i think maybe maybe it's the like for, for you and i will think nothing of going back and playing a game from yeah the 80s and we'll be completely not only you know not troubled by its uh but by its age but also will embrace it but some people i think they remember what playing the game was like or how much pleasure they got from it, but but not what it was actually like to play. So yeah. when so when Sensible World of Soccer came out on Xbox Live Arcade in 97, I think it was, um, 97, 2007, yeah, 2007 yeah. Um, people had been, you know, just absolutely climbing up the walls for that game yeah. to come out. And then everyone was like, oh. <laughs> yeah, is this really what it was yeah, like? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so, <laughs> let's have a game of Pro Evo. Yeah, uh, precisely. Yeah, which it, I can, it, I can understand. But we we could talk about this for hours. But that's true. Y- y- nostalgia is so powerful; it really is. I, I mean, I I play a lot of older games, mm. but I don't play them because of nostalgia. Nostalgia can enhance an experience for me. So if I go back now and play a game of Sensible Soccer, yes, the nostalgia is is strong and of it course. does enhance it. Mm-hmm. But I play older games because I like to see from where we've came. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and and how far, you know, we're talking about a generation here. Mm-hmm. You know, for, 40 years ago, it was 1980, we were playing things like Pac-Man. Mm-hmm. And now 40 years later, we play things like Tetris Effect. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and the... The, the, I hate the word journey, so I'm not going to try not to use it. The, yeah. the, 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 the evolution in that relatively short space of, of time, and a lot of the people who were there in, 19, in 1980 are still, are still alive, some of them not, but they can speak to what it was like back then. Sure. But when, when, you, when you base a product purely on nostalgia, that's when I start to worry a little bit that mm. actually people's when they actually perceive it for what it is now and experience it again, actually kind of nostalgia doesn't automatically translate into something which it, which is really high quality. We we had a conversation last year. We played Stunt Car Racer okay, for, yeah. for a month, which a bona fide classic. I and love I, that game. Yeah, yeah it's, and, and still really playable now because it's a simple one-on-one racer. It didn't look great graphically back in the 90s when no. it came out. and. That hasn't changed. I imagine the frame rate is the issue playing it today, unless you play it 
emulated to the point that you can play it you know you you actually unlock the frame because on the original yeah. amiga it was like i don't know two or three frames a second or something yeah, it's, you it's can now not, play yeah. it at 60 yeah it's not I, I played it on real hardware and it it isn't it isn't that bad but yeah clearly someone actually did using some kind of emulated or souped up amiga someone did release say 30 and 60 frames per second version of it okay. a, 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 after the event so after nice. the amiga kind of would have been and gone yeah yeah but it's still reasonably playable now sure. on Real Hubbard. We had this conversation about should the, the, there's a big big clamor. One of the guys on the team, Matt, is a huge stunt car racer and Jeff Cramon fan. Yeah, and, and he was saying, imagine the clamor for if there was a remake, how how well received that would be. And I my view on that was, look, there are, there are things that were great and still are very good. Leave them. Leave them where they are. You know, the, the the danger is you soup up the graphics. You add you, you add a whole load of frames per second, and you put some nice sound on there. And actually, the kind of sum of all of those parts is something which is less than what it started with. Yeah, for sure. Um, and now, a lot uh, of the uh, yeah. you know the 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 core mechanics of and the concepts of something like Stunt Car Racer, we've seen it in the GTA Five Online uh, stuff yeah. that they added with you know doing crazy stunt tracks yes. in the sky and stuff and mm. and so you'd end up making a version a version of that that probably wasn't you know as good but also lost the charm of the original so yeah yeah i mean well handled remasters we've seen oh. over the years you know they they are they can be a wonder to behold absolutely and vital to you know keep a lot of these things alive especially Quite. if they were you know if they were previously released in forms that are you know going to degrade whatever yeah. Yeah, just handle with care. I think sometimes I think yeah. with with some of these sacred cows from the past. Well said. Something of a sacred cow. Bit of a crashing segue, but the Alest series uh, or Space Megaforce in this case, Gingertastic O One, request uh, requests a track from uh, yeah the Super Nintendo version of Toho's Shoot 'Em Up series. A request from one of my favourite vertical shooters from the SNES. Known in Europe and Japan as Super Alest and Space Megaforce in America, <laughs> which is now a real thing, of course. Fantastic. Um, I don't really remember much buzz for this game at the time, but it was a favourite in our house. My brothers and I would play this a lot back in the day. The game has a fantastic soundscape with great music, punctuated with massive sampled explosions and speech. The track I'm picking out today is for the opening level.
Amazonas, or possibly Amazonas, by one or more of Keichi Takeuchi Akiyoshi Ainsuke Nagao and or Katsumi Tanaka from Super Alest. Uh, actually, yeah, Compile were the people behind that. They were also the people who invented Puyo Puyo, mm. if I recall correctly. Uh, yeah, that's a nostalgic piece for me. Um, I put Super Alest on my, when I hacked my classic SNES Mini. Um, and I, yeah, I don't think it's actually, I mean, it, it feels fine to play, but I don't think it, it never had the most interesting, uh, levels or anything. It's a bit of a, there's quite a lot of repetition stuff, but mm. certainly the, the music, uh, was, yeah, again, talking about that nice blast of nostalgia, mm. enjoyed that. Mm. Well, we've come almost to the end of our time in this sound of play. Uh, before we hear about your last track, which is from something much more recent, I want to thank Chris for his time joining us on Sound of Play 233. Very welcome. I um, also wanted to mention the fact that as of the, well, post yesterday morning, I received issue, issue 203 of Retro Gamer mm. in, the, uh, in, the, in the post as a, a subscriber. And what did, what, what did I see on page 88? <laughs> Fame, fortune. Fame and fortune. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's, a, it's a nice feature. It's called It's Good to Talk by Lewis Packwood. And uh, he's rounded up some of his favourite uh, retro gaming podcasts. And uh, yeah, we've got a few friends of the show. We've got Maximum Power Up as well on there. Yeah. And uh, the Retro Noughts, of course, couldn't not be there because they've been doing it probably the longest. The granddaddy of them all, yeah. Who's this? Who's this? Retro Asylum. <laughs> nice, isn't it? <laughs> Oh, name and there's actually a fun. There's a quite a funny story behind how how what led to that to that article being written. So, in you'll know this, Leon, as a subscriber, in they did a massive issue two hundred retro gamer where they yeah. charted the the history of the medium very ambitiously. But it was quite it was quite nicely done the way the way they did it. They also had a section about how the boom in in retro over the last ten years or so, and they focused a lot on on the YouTubers. And yeah. w- one of our um, one of our team members, Steve, in particular, we all felt a little bit that podcasts were probably underrepresented in that feature, right? But 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 Steve went on a little bit of a rant on one of our episodes about how he felt that podcasts generally don't get enough enough credit and mm. and too much credit, possibly. Although there are many many very very good YouTubers. He felt that too much credit goes to the YouTube community as a whole, so he yeah he he went on this rant, uh, um, which we which we moderated a little bit, but but he he felt a bit aggrieved. Mm. And the editor of Retro Gamer is an old friend of one of our other team members and one of our co-founders, Dean Swain. Yeah, and Darren Jones, I think, called Dean and said, "Look, uh, you know, I thought that was maybe a little bit offhand. You could have you could have." chatted through with me so anyway there was a bit of a there was there was a bit of a rowback and we 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 okay. kind of published an apology on the next episode to say look there were podcasts were mentioned but we felt that they could have been given a little bit more promise prominence yeah. mm-hmm. and then that led to the feature that was in episode 203 so they said look to appease you guys and the rest <laughs> of the podcasting community we will run a feature solely on on retro gaming podcast so good good for them you know, so the and, moral of this story is to bitch and moan on a public a moan. platform okay well i'm gonna have a bitch and moan that kane and rinse isn't featured in this article well i did think that but <laughs> we're not solely retro but well we that, are that in, the, the thing. in the everything we do is at least like a year old but i understand we are we've never we're not focused on the retro scene it just yes. so happens that we cover games from 
the history of the medium and sometimes yeah. they're older. But, well, uh, you know, guys, uh, yeah. retro gamer, um, if you ever want to do a feature on Kane and Rince, we've been going a long time and we've covered a lot of old games in quite some depth. But hey, there this, you is, go. this is your listen, moment. This is your listen, moment in the sun. Listen up, retro gamer. <laughs> we're, we're lucky, aren't we? I mean, you think about the UK gaming scene and, oh, yeah. and, and how much content we have. The guys that were featured in there, there's Retro Gaming Discussion Show as well. There's the Arcade Attack podcast. Those two mm. weren't mentioned. Yeah. You know, yourselves, the Computer Game Show. Yeah. There's so much to consume. We have so much available to us that is either free or available for, for very little. Yeah. And we're, we're, we're very lucky. And we were really pleased to see that. And hopefully that will translate into a, a few more listeners for us. But uh, we, you know, we we do our best. It's not it it's it's we don't have the same regular outputs as 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 you guys do, or even the likes of the Retro Hour, which which release every Friday. Mm-hmm. But but the, but the vibe that we 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 go for is that we're five guys. It tends not to be five of us on a podcast at, at the same time. Yeah. And the vibe is supposed to be it's a group of guys down the pub talking about about games. We, we've got a game club, which is one of the reasons I really got involved was to try and, and grow and promote that. And, and we, we take a game, a classic game, one a month, and we, we play it with our community. And we try and do that by, by unlocking ways to play some kind of multiplayer or we have high score competitions. And then we have listeners who, who will record, record sections and, and send it into us. And then we bring it all together at the end of the month and do a and do a two or three hour podcast on it um so so uh, we we enjoy it we've got and really we use discord rather than a forum retro asylum did have a forum and we've since gone over to 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 discord yeah we have a really really nice part of the much like the caden rinse forum it's a very friendly positive part of the internet where we have people from all over the world who come together and talk about their youth and the games they played and the games they loved and and they get involved and and it really is really really good fun we we enjoy it a lot awesome well said and yeah well done on uh, on the feature and here's to yeah many more years of success with retro asylum thank you actually your final pick wouldn't really qualify, um, but it is from a game that I have played uh, in Liverpool, funnily enough, mm. uh, because I don't have PSVR myself, but, uh, but Jay does. And uh, this was one of the things that I really wanted to try out when we got up there. And the music is also by a friend of the show, yep. Kenneth C.M. Young, who's yep. appeared a couple of times, and we love him very much. Uh, and yeah, Astrobot Rescue Mission. So as well yeah. as all the retro stuff, you also... Uh, in the future with your PSVR, right? That, yeah, and, and I play games. And just before I talk about Astrobot, I just also wanted to, to take the opportunity a moment ago just to shout out you guys as well and, and take the opportunity to say a big thank you for all the content that, that Caden Rince and its team produce. You know, it, it, it is a staggering amount of content of, of pretty remarkable quality. And you think of the, the breadth of your team now and how many people you have out there. Yeah, I'm I'm a proud patron and recently recently increased my contribution in the spirit Bless of going you. from one <laughs> to two dollars. I, I doubled my own pledge, which was already above two dollars. But yeah, I I would as much as I would urge people to come and check out Retro Asylum, I would also urge people to really support what you're trying to do. Because for anyone who does take part at all in, in content production will know just how much time and effort goes into it. I can't begin to think 
the collective amount of hours <laughs> that you guys spend producing what you produce. So uh, yeah, from from me and 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 on behalf of my own podcast, a big thank you for what you do. Well, thank yeah. you very much. That's very kind. And Astrobot. So yes, I play games from from all the decades uh, and and try and get through as many as I possibly can. Indeed. I, I bought myself as a Christmas present actually a couple of years ago now a, a PSVR. And it was for 12 months, a little bit of a of a novelty thing, which I kind of put on my head every now and again, played through a couple of levels of something like Moss or Astrobot, and then took it off again. But just before Christmas last year, I, I decided, right, I'm going to give this a really, a really good go. And Astrobot is a joyous, wonderful experience. Agreed. Which really does show kind of what you can do with a relatively simple and straightforward platform game, but if you just change the focus a little bit, you can completely create something which feels so new and so different. And and the music is... Uh, I, Kenny Young, I've listened to on this show, and I'm not going to denigrate his work at all, but I thought the music was okay. Generally, the soundtrack is probably less what the game is about. It's more about the way it controls. But there are one or two really standout tracks. Mm. There's a track called Fire in Your Mind, I think it's called. And then there's this particular track, which is called Crystal Cave or Tight Mites. It has another couple of couple of names. And this is the second, this is the track for the, for the third level of World 1. So it's pretty early in the game. And it is just a real, really nice track, which is a complete earworm. I was humming this for weeks after I heard it. And uh, it is it is remixed throughout the game, but it's a really nice kind of representative of when the soundtrack really hits with the gameplay. This is this is what you get. Magical. Well, we'll leave you, listener, with The Mites and or Crystal Cave, depending on what you want to call it, by our friend Kenny Young. My thanks again to Chris, and we'll see you all Welcome. next time on Sound of Play. Mm-hmm.